0: Do you pray? Oh, When I'm in trouble, I do. <laughs> do you pray? No. Tell me why. I don't know. I don't really know why, to tell you the truth. <laughs> uh, usually, actually actually, I do, but uh, not very regular. Do you pray? Every now and then. Sometimes I do, yes. Every day, several times a day. Five times a day. Many times during a day. Once a week, maybe. Every day, all day. Do you pray? Uh, Sometimes, yeah. How often is sometimes? Like uh, once a month. I try to get it in morning and night. So, have you prayed this morning? Um, not this morning because I was running late. Do you pray? No, I don't. No, I don't. No. Uh, I do not. Tell me why not? Because I don't believe in God. I don't think there is just one religion, and I think it. Although, maybe I should pray to at least some form of God, but I haven't found it yet. Tell me why not. Um, I'm not really sure what I believe in. Actually, I take that back. I do pray in the sense of just sort of a quiet, reflective time that's more of an introspective analysis. But there's not a supreme being that I would say that I pray to. Tell me what you prayed about. I prayed about um, just the basic prayer, you know, forgiving me of my sins and things of that nature. Just uh, for people I know who died and just things like that and that everything goes well in the future. Pray for for myself, for my family, for my people, for everything, yeah. Usually I pray when one of my family members is sick or if I need a new job. (laughs) (laughs) For forgiveness for the things I've done wrong. Everything. Anything you could possibly imagine, I pray about. Do you feel that prayer makes a difference? I think it really does whether or not you can you know see it happening around you but it just I think it's something that makes you feel better do you think it makes a difference if not on anything else, it uh, at least gives me mental peace, and that's what I pray for, actually, most of the time. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. I can't say how practically, but I know it does the way I feel about things. I think it helps me to keep my focus, it helps me to refocus at times. Uh, it's easy to get caught up in uh, worldly things, and it helps you take a few minutes sometimes, whether you're going to work, coming home from work, or at the end of the night, to uh, refocus and keep your priorities in line. It's a way of, like, focusing, you know? you know, kind of a stress reliever in a way too. I believe it does, if not psychologically, at least spiritually. I think it affects both of those qualities. It just makes you feel better and you, um, it it helps you feel better about the people you're praying for and just makes you think, I guess. Well, no matter of the few people on there that said that they uh, did not pray, Uh, prayer is almost universal Uh, you don't have to be a Christian to pray you don't even have to be a religious person to pray as um, you don't have to really totally understand what you believe in to pray Uh, statistics will tell you that well over 90 percent of the people say they either have or they do pray and uh, many of you have that have been in um Military service uh, know that there are no atheists in foxholes, and when you're in a foxhole and uh, the bombs and bullets are above your head, a prayer happens, and um, that's the Bible speaks a lot about prayer, and especially in what we're in now is our look uh, this summer in the Sermon on the Mount, and uh, Jesus talks uh, about prayer in a passage that we looked at last week. But we're going to delve into a different way uh, this week. Last week we said Matthew 6, 1 was our focus and said, Jesus said, hey, don't do your acts of righteousness before others to be seen by them. That was, it's, it's not don't do your acts of righteousness before others, period. To be seen by them. It was the motive and the intent for your good things, for your Christian things that you do. That makes all the difference in the world. And then Jesus gave three examples of doing Christian things in the wrong way to be seen by others. He gave a giving example. He gives a prayer example as we're going to go over again today. And then he gave a fasting example. But in prayer, Jesus speaks to some very interesting things here as, you, as we'll look at. In Matthew chapter 6, verse 7 is where we're launched from today. Jesus' words now in the Sermon on the Mount. And when you pray, do not... Babble! do not keep on babbling like pagans for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Hey, according to Jesus, pagans pray. Um, Pagans is uh, sometimes translated, it's a really good translation, of Gentiles. Uh, Jesus would have meant people that don't know the true God, the one true God. That was a Gentile in Jesus' time. You had the Jews, and then you had all others, the Gentiles. The Jews saw themselves as worshiping the one true God, and then you had a whole bunch of people called Gentiles, of which we would now be those. And in Jesus' time, those Gentiles were maybe worshiping, but were not worshiping according to the truth. Were not worshiping the one true God. So it's fascinating to me here, That this is not a contrast that Jesus is going to make between people that don't pray and people that pray. It's not between irreligious people and religious people. This contrast that Jesus is going to make is between religious people. They pray. They babble. Babble in... um, Literally the word babble in the the Greek means empty words. I think the old King James hits it the best. King James said vain repetitions vain repetitions so he says when you pray don't be like the gentiles don't be like the pagans the people who don't know the one true god they babble on they've got empty words they've got vain repetitions and they think they will be heard because of those many words so you get, to, you get what jesus is saying hey, a lot of people pray pagans pray people who don't know the one true God they pray don't be like them so Jesus is going to contrast people who pray and then Christians who pray the right way according to what Jesus said so it's it's not a contrast of irreligious and religious verse 6 8 of Matthew do not be like them for your Father knows what you need before you ask. And then the next passage. This then is how you should pray. And we go into what we understand to be the Lord's Prayer or the model prayer. Not that when you pray it should have to be these words. But pray like this. Here's a model for you. And that model starts with our Father. Okay? So you have over here on one side people that... that have vain repetitions, empty words and many words. And then you have here pray this way and it starts with our father. You have a group of people over here called pagans, called gentiles, who pray who will seem to pray and seem to think they will be heard because of their many words and they will be heard because of the way that they pray. And that's why you separate people even today. People that 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 pray because they think they have to do it a certain way and people who pray only because they know that the sin- only way to pray is the sincere way with a sincere heart. It's not that you can, um, can't say anything over and over again. I can do that if I have a sincere heart and my motive is good. But it's not just the words. You remember back, uh, what, 15 years ago? The little book that was out, some of you Christians will remember that, The Prayer of Jabez. And all pastors were doing sermon series on the prayer of Jabez. Well, there's nothing wrong with the prayer of Jabez unless you think that those words are some kind of special words that God listens to. That's magic. That's hocus-pocus. That's not prayer. God hears the heart. He hears your motive. And my prayer may not be eloquent, or my prayer may not be pretty prayer, or my my words may not flow easily off my tongue, but that prayer can be beautiful in the ears of God, because it comes from a sincere heart. And let me tell you how this affected me this week. (laughs) We had ordination service at our district assembly, and where people that have gone through their academic training and have had their service time of service and and have gone through the ordination interviews can be ordained and be an ordained pastor in the church of the Nazarene and so when they do that when they get ordained they kneel uh in front of of the whole district assembly there and the general superintendent and a lot of you don't know who that is that's just one of the grand poobahs of our church okay he's just like he or she has reached the highest level of our church and so uh, he lays his. Uh, in this case, it was a he. He lays his hands upon her, upon him, and prayed for him. And this hymn that I'm referring to uh, was one of the or- ordinands, and that would have been Dan McLean, who some of you know was a layperson person in this church for a long time, had a call to the ministry, been port- pastoring now the Washington Courthouse Church. So uh, General Superintendent David Musick p- prayed for Dan, and then the tradition is that Dan chooses someone to pray for him, and Dan chose me, and, and I was privileged to do that. So Dan called me like Sunday night. He said, Mark, would you pray for me at ordination service? And I said, it would be my privilege to do that. I hung up the phone. Here's what your pastor started doing. He started practicing his prayer. Now, why did I do that? If it wasn't to sound good in front of other people. Now, thankfully, I know Scripture, and, and God reminded me of that real quick. And I said, that's stupid. That's about the dumbest thing in the world. I'm not going to practice my prayer. I'm, I'm, I'm being a pagan. I'm babbling on. I'm, I'm praying to be seen or heard by others. So I said, Lord, I'm just going to, I'm not going to think about it. I'm, not, I'm just going to go, and I'm just going to say what you lay upon. My, I'm just going to pray. I'm just going to talk to you. But that's how deep this can be in our humanity. I don't know any reason that I would have immediately thought to start formulating and practicing that prayer unless I wanted it to sound good in front of other people. And that's not the reason for prayer. And. How is it that we come to God in prayer? Do we come to the basis of our words? Do we come on the basis of our good works? Do we come on the basis of that I I did good things this week or I didn't do bad things this week? Or do we come to God on the basis of our Father? That's what Jesus is contrasting here. The pagans who come to God with certain words and certain good things and they think they're going to be heard because of their many words or that's religious prayer. Or then we have Christian prayer who comes to God with our Father. Not a lot of Protestants won't say this because we can easily be taken wrong and we can be, sound really critical. But I'm going to say this, and I hope you understand the vein that I say it in and the spirit that I'm saying it in. It in. I don't care how many Hail Marys you say. Hail Mary full of grace. Forgive us, sinners in the eye of our... I don't care how many you say. I don't care how many beads that you count. Now, both of that can be... I can be a Catholic and I can be... have a sincere heart in doing that and that's the way we were taught to pray and that's all that we really... I can still have a sincere motive in doing that. But my prayer is not heard because of my many words and my long prayers. My prayer is not heard because I pray three times a day other than one time a day, or I pray five times a day other than one time a day, or I pray morning, noon, and night, or I pray uh, 30 minutes instead of five minutes. That has nothing to do with it because prayer is answered not because of what you do, it's because what has been done for you. Prayer is heard not because of what you do because what has been done for you and you can refer to him as father because you come to him and have been adopted into his family by his grace and his mercy and you can call him father it's the difference between a religious prayer and a Christian prayer and Jesus is contrasting contrasting this these two things why? by what cause do you think you will be hurt? Because of something you've done? Or because of something you didn't do? Or because of the grace and mercy of God who's adopted you into His family, made you a child of God, and by Him we can cry, Abba, Father. Jesus says, pagans pray. That, you know, I never really saw it to this week. As many times as I probably preached on this and read this, I never really saw that. Jesus says, About almost everybody prays. Even the pagans, even the people who don't know God, pray. And when they do, they do this. But when you pray, I want you to come to Him, and you refer to Him as Father. Over 200 times in the New Testament, God is referred to as Father. You see, over here, it's like a business relationship. I, I do something for you, i be a good boy, I pray a lot, I, I do my devotions, I, uh, I do all this stuff, okay? And then, you are then obligated to do something. It's a business relationship. You're obligated to do something for me, tit for tat. We got this good arrangement. It's a business relationship. This is a family relationship our father this relationship is 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 conditional it's this relationship is 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 based on my performance this relationship is about commitment because I'm part of the family this relationship if, if I perform then I will be accepted This is, I'm accepted, so I perform. Huge, huge, huge difference. Jesus says, about everybody prays. Even people don't know God pray. Don't pray like they do. Pray in a Christian way, and that starts with our Father. You know, He could have started Christian prayer in, in almost any way. Oh, great king of all the earth. That would have been theologically right. Oh, great judge of all the world. That's theologically correct. Oh, great creator of all. That's theologically correct. But he starts with our father. Think of it this way. There's basically two different things that determine where you live. And Stay with me now. Uh, these are two major ways it's not that you can't find some others these are two major ways that determine where you live and how kind of how you live you can live as a border by a border and I mean that you rent like in the old term boarding house you have a landlord and you live in the landlord's place you are boarding in that place or you can live with your family now you could probably come up with some other, maybe some other ways, and I won't deny all of that. I know there's some times that you've helped a friend and your friend has moved in with you, but, but the great majority of, of times you either are a boarder paying rent to a landlord or you live with family. The overwhelming, the boarder again is that business relationship. You're, you're, you pay rent and you get a place to live. It's a contract. If you don't damage the property, you're going to get your deposit back if you do damage the property and take care of the place he could come in and throw have somebody have you evicted it's a business relationship this is a relationship of commitment here and I wonder how many times that religious people maybe even people in the church of Jesus Christ are praying like a border they're paying their rent and because they Paying their rent, something should be done for them. Instead of coming to God with absolutely no ground, no foundation, no footing, other than His grace and mercy has adopted me as His son or His daughter. Well, you said family is not always a good, it's not always a good uh, illustration there, Mark, because a lot of families are really messed up, and a lot of families don't even get, get along. And some families don't even speak, Mark. I got it. I got it. But listen, that still proves my point. Because even in bad family situations, here's what you hear. You hear phrases like, well, she's still my daughter. When performance isn't good and behavior isn't good you hear phrases like well he's still my son. When 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 expectations are not being met you still hear things like well she's still my mother. He's still my father. Why? Because there's commitment there that's different than a border. Then there's different than just paying the rent. And I've known of situations, and you have too, when a parent has died and the relationship with a child has not been good, but that child still goes to the funeral. Why? Well, he's still my dad, she's still my mom. And I don't think there's any coincidence that about five times in the Old Testament you have Jesus, they have God referred to as Father and over 200 times in the New Testament because Jesus came to institute a new relationship. Not just a relationship of King of Kings, He is. Lord of Lords, He is. How do I approach a king? That's really weird, man. I mean, I don't know if you go to a king and are you allowed to walk up to the king? Do I have to be summoned into the king? I mean, how is it I go to a king or I go to a judge or I go to a creator? I don't, that's kind of hard. But I know how to go to a dad. I know how to approach a dad. William Barclay is a Bible commentator and he tells a story that was probably made up. But he says a, a, a great emperor came back from war, from war and he was being paraded into the town and he got into the beautiful palace and all these people and trumpets and this, all this majestic thing around him and all these people are protecting him as he was carried in and all of a sudden his son who was up on the platform broke through the guards and start running up to him and, and somebody said, you can't approach the emperor that way and he says, he's not the emperor, he's my dad. I've used this illustration before. Nathan, Pastor Nathan's our youth pastor. He's got a whole slew of kids. And he, one of these days, uh, one of those kids is going to come to him and just a little disagree with a little bit of what Nathan's doing in the youth department. And Jovi may come to him and, with two or three other kids and say, you know, could we do this instead of doing that? And dad would really, I mean, wouldn't call him dad with the other kids there. They would be calling him pastor. So Jovi would probably not call him dad. And. And so they all leave and, and Nathan has been held to his own and didn't, didn't change his mind. But after these other ones leave, Jovi's just left. And it's no longer youth pastor and Jovi, it's father and daughter. And Jovi goes and snuggles up and sits on his lap and says, "No, daddy, we need to do this. See, she has a relationship that the others don't. She has an access that the others don't. And that's the access, miracle upon miracles, that Jesus has made way to you so you can approach the King of kings and the Lord of lords. It's called adoption. That's the the doctrinal word for this. And the Bible talks about adoption in many places, and you have to be adopted to be a child of God. Do you realize this? And this is something that people don't get. Everybody's not a child of God. Now, that, that, that's there's a, me, an old fundamentalist conservative pastor now. now. No, I'm not. I'm just quoting Scripture for you. Well, and, and somehow that God is the Father of all and the Creator of all, yeah, that may be true, but in the Biblical understanding of child of God, we're all not child of God's in the biblical understanding of that because John chapter 1, verse 12 says, Yet to all who received him, Jesus Christ, yet to all who received Jesus, to those who believed in his name, he gave them the right to become. To become. Adoption is an act that happens. Adoption doesn't happen by accident. Adoption, the right to become a child of God, isn't just placed upon anybody. That happens because of your faith and trust and because of His grace and mercy. He gave them the right to become children of God. Romans chapter 8 speaks a lot on adoption. The Spirit who you receive does not make you slaves, so that you live in fear again rather the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship and by him we cry the most tender jewish word that could it's it's more tender than father it's abba it's papa it's daddy and by that spirit we cry abba father 816, the Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. <laughs> Have you been adopted? By faith? because of his grace and mercy. And if you have, you have a different relationship than the pagans, the Gentiles. You, you, you can approach. What, what, is, what is it Hebrews 4 says, let us with confidence approach the throne of grace. Let us with confidence. Why? A confidence that a child would have. Not because of what I've done, not because as I pray I babble on or I say the right words. Do you really think that, Jesus, that God looks down from above and somehow says, wow, Mark, that was, boy, you really blew me away by those words. <laughs> Man, Mark, that's about the best prayer i ever heard, Mark. <laughs> no, it can be the most stumbling, awkward prayer, but if a heart is right, it's the best prayer he's ever heard. Not with vain repetitions or many words or, or just because you count bees, or just because you say the right words, whether that be a Catholic thing or a prayer of Jabez thing. <laughs> Jesus, again, is contrasting religious people who pray and the Christian way to pray. Now this... Referring to God as Father then carries all the way down through the Lord's Prayer and I don't have time to go all the way through it. But let me say just one little thing. The next thing in in, in the Lord's, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed. Hallowed. Uh, For some reason when I was a kid I pronounced it hallowed. I don't know why that's, I don't know what that is. Hallowed. It means Holy. Holy. So a really great translation, our Father who art in heaven, holy is your name. That's praise. That's adoration. And if I'm a boarder, if I'm paying the rent, how do I praise God? I'm paying the rent. I'm just paying the rent. That's all I'm doing. Because because I paid the rent, I got access to that house. I got access to that apartment. But man, if you know God is your Father and you've been adopted... By his grace and mercy, man, you can say holy is your name. This is a miracle that I'm a Christian. I cannot even believe I'm a Christian. I like 1 John 3, 1. <laughs> I, think, I just think this is so cool. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. Now, that word, that, that Greek word that gets translated great, it literally means from what country is this from? It's like, this love is out of this world. I've never seen anything like it before. Where did it come from? This love that's been lavished upon me that I should be called a child of God. Where did this come from? How great is this? And some of you remember the old King James, that word see, that's a good translation. But in in King James, it was translated, behold. And so we're saying, Behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the sons of God. Behold. Behold. I can't... When, when, when you go work for your employer, you have a business relationship with your employer and he gives you a paycheck after you work worked two weeks, you don't go, Behold! Would you look at this? No, you worked and you get paid. You're a border. That's the way it works. But we who know we have no claim on him at all in our own flesh, only by his grace and mercy we say, Behold. But you look at, can you believe this? A Christian never gets over the fact that they're a Christian. A Christian never gets over the miracle that I'm a a Christian. Now, you know how you know a border? You ask a border and you go, "Um, are you a Christian? And that border will go, well, of course I am. Can I, hear hear this, hear this. Tim Keller is the first one I heard say this. He said, there's no, uh, this is really good. Okay, and, it, and, it's, and, it's, and it's predicated on the fact, a border says, you ask a border, are they a Christian? And he goes, well, of course I'm a Christian. I've had people say it to me, of course I'm a Christian. For the Christian, there's no of coarseness about that at all. That's an absolute miracle, the grace of God. There's nothing about that question that I can say, well, of course I am. I have to say, behold, it's true, and I can't even believe it. So, as you go down through the Lord's Prayer, His fatherhood is the only reason that we can adore Him and praise Him. Holy is your name. Because somehow He's made access into Him who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Unbelievable. How great is the love that the Father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God. From what country is this from? And I could go through and show you how how looking at God as Father is all the way through the Lord's Prayer. Don't pray like the religious people do because they think they're going to be heard because of something they do. Pray the Christian way, which is "Our Father." You've been adopted. We have devotions with our boys, and we've taught them to pray throughout their life, and and there came a time when they were 12, 13 or something that we wanted their prayers to stop being started or addressing God as dear God. That's okay for a little kid, but that's an immature understanding. He's our Father, and we taught them that, and we said prayers are addressed to your Father. Yes, of course He's God, but He's your Papa. He's your Abba. And that's why you can come to Him in the Lord's Prayer and ask Him to give you your daily bread. Don't come to a king and ask for daily bread. The king's too busy to worry with your daily bread. But a father is concerned with the most minutest details of your life. how do you pray? on what basis do you think you will be heard because of something you've done or on something that's been done for you something you've done is you've been really good this week and you haven't said that word you've been not trying to say and something that's been done for you is even though you said that word I come to you father in the name of Jesus Christ that somehow you've told me that I'm a co-heir with Jesus and I claim no right of my own but you've made me a child because you've adopted me through your grace and through your is that what you have or are you a boarder? are you paying your rent is there an of courseness to your Christianity Our servers are coming to the table and as is always, this is made way because of the blood of Jesus Christ. God would just be king of kings and lord of lords with no way to approach him unless he stooped down and gave his own son. And because he did that, we now have access to the creator of all the universe. All this comes back to the cross of Christ. And that's one of the reasons that we... Celebrate communion every single Sunday. Father, I pray that you'd help us to have no of coarseness about our faith. That we would say, behold, what kind of love has been lavished on me that even I would be called a child of God. Give us a sense of that gratitude Give us a sense of that grace and mercy as we come to the table. In Jesus' name, amen.